0: This is Ross Dunn, CEO of step Forth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcut, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive
2: Media. How's your week been, my friend? It's been kind of crazy, as always. But... <laughs> I, I feel the same.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, the last week and maybe the week before, I was out swimming a lot because it was beautiful, sunny, but now we've got all these fires, and I tell you, it's it's totally affected me. I've noticed... My mood has just plummeted because even though it's sunny-ish, it's this yellow hue and the air doesn't smell well. Good. I mean, we're spoiled here, right? We've got perfect air nearly
2: <laughs> normally. Well, uh, it's it's festival season around here and I got two I'm going to this week. I'm going to the Bratwurst Festival and then mm. to a blueberry festival. So it's those are fun things to do because you get, you get fair food especially at the bratwurst one. Um, so that's always fun. There's live music and stuff. So that's, that's something to look forward to.
0: That's great. And we should uh, uh, note to our listeners that we are going to be at content marketing world in September. Yes. Um, well, um, well, yeah, I, be John and I live there. We're, we're going there to do some roving reporting and interviews. And that is in Columbus, Ohio, is it? Cleveland, Ohio, oh, Cleveland. Sorry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You got to get your Ohio city straight. They all start with C because it's a- <laughs> <laughs> I understand the confusion
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so i'm I'm pretty excited about that. It's gonna be uh, well, it's gonna be great to hang out with you again. It's been I don't know how many years now, but too long.
2: I've been to content marketing world before, and they always have excellent presentations. Um, I actually was there when Kevin Spacey was the keynote speaker. That's great this year it's gonna be Tina Fey and her. Um, they always have good bands. I think the Foo Fighters were there one year, Bare Naked Ladies. So I think they have, they still have at least two of this year's bands, but it's always a good, good time. Yeah,
0: uh, it's too bad that they're um, they 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 choose to do the keynote at the end, the best keynote. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre.
2: Yeah. Well, it's interesting that, that we've I've been trying to get you to come out at, for this for years, and it's always like, nope, can't come because it ends on my daughter's birthday. This is your excuse, but this year. It's not that you can use that if you so I made you come.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's good. Hey, eh? I've always wanted to. So it's going to be a good time. Anyone else who's out there who uh, is one of our listeners, if you want to post on our Google Plus community page, that'd be great. Let us know. Maybe we can hook up and say hi. It'll be a cool. lot of fun. All right, so let's jump into some of the news here. The first one is just kind of cool. I thought uh, Bing, of all things, has something cool. There you go. Um, wow. Yes. Yeah, there is for sure, <laughs> their Bing app has a intelligent search feature that's based using well that uses its camera. Uh, what you can do is you can take a picture of an equation, any kind of math equation, and based on that uh, picture, it will solve it for you in a snap. It literally just show you the answer. Uh, I think that's pretty damn awesome. Wish I had that when I was younger.
2: That would be a good way to cheat on your tests in math class for for sure.
0: Well, perhaps <laughs> the the uh, the camera sound every few seconds might give away.
2: <laughs> there is a way to turn the sound off on, on your. Phone.
0: Yeah, I know. I just imagine that some moron trying to take photos and. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Ka-ching>. <laughs>
0: so
2: um, what's the, what's the purpose of that? You think? Why did they do that?
0: Well, I think it's yet one of those little features that um, I think part of Google and and Bing's, I'm guessing here, but I imagine there's a certain rivalry over features. So that's part of it. Um, I think this is interesting from a, um, I think, just evidence of the intelligence of their algorithms, um, and I imagine it looks good for uh, investors as well. It shows that they are constantly evolving their systems.
2: What it does tell you is that technology itself is getting much better at understanding what's in an image, whether it be mm-hmm. facial recognition or these math problems. I mean, the, the technology has to decode what that image is to be able to do this kind of stuff. And that's becoming better and better and better as we go. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't surprise a bit if, images at some time if they're not already happening at some time will be part of the the relevancy equation in search right now we just kind of assume well they can't see what the image is so we're going to use the alt, alt text or the alt attribute excuse me uh, to tell them what the image is but i bet you if they're not already doing it they won't be long before they they know what the image is without without that
0: well i don't know it's probably since at least the beginning of the my first show on here We've talked about the expectation that at some point Google will announce that it can read text and images. I mean, we well, know they can to a degree, but actually include it in their op- in their algorithms. Will they tell us seriously? Well, it would again. It's good for stock. It's good for examples of them enhancing their the whole concept. I mean, it also makes. Um, it would be quite unique from a a design perspective. I'm not sure what kind of options that would present, but, um, I'm no designer, so I'm sure there'd be some intriguing opportunities there.
2: Well, you'd also have to, as, as Google, you'd have to understand the difference between what's a, what's an image that is part of the relevancy and what's an image. That's just like, you know, part of the graphic design of a page. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. all the
3: different the two.
0: Yeah. Anyway, it's, it, it would be, uh, quite interesting especially like well for example i know that in evernote um my one of my favorite apps or programs is anything you, know, you take a photo of it can and has always being able to read the text in it uh, maybe not everything but it does like based on your writing skill <laughs> but it's pretty good <laughs> uh i wouldn't want to do it on a doctor's note and pretty hard to read but um so you know, with that kind of thing in mind, if, if Google would start to allow you to search through photos of uh, recipe cards, uh, you know, things like that, um, mm-hmm. oh God, there's so many different things I can imagine. I, I, how many things can you imagine that are, have just photos over the last 20 years that yeah. would be really beneficial? Um, Even street guy, signs would show there's... up in would uh, be pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, trying to geek out here a little. Um, Next, Google has launched new expandable feature snippets with more information. Now, what happens is essentially uh, the example provided here on Search Engine Land by Barry Schwartz is uh, someone searching for quartz versus granite. And the image shows, uh, uh, sort of the, the, the knowledge panel shows some images of quartz and granite and then it shows a little bit of a description pretty standard but below are some accordion based you know drop down drop downs which you are all are all closed at this stage but if you click on one they expand into breakdowns on um based on their titles in this case there's three that are shown cost benefits weight um, and if you click on any of those and there's also durability sorry um, uh, if you click on those, they expand and you get more and more information and the page moves or at least that side will move down. I don't know how the rest of the page will react.
2: I think this for- is ti- tied directly into the answer box and the people also ask because if you look, you know they closed, just like the people also ask thing is closed, the the sources for the information are from different sites, right? So that first mm-hmm. one, is from For, uh, Forbes magazine article. The second one is from a site called countertopguides.com. So I'm pretty sure this is another way they're leveraging that people also ask um, and or just a plain old answer box strategy.
0: Yeah. Anyway, it's um, yet another example of them building out that area that pisses a lot of businesses off because <laughs> yeah. they are essentially using information schooled from other people's websites and keeping b- users from... Clicking through. I mean, yes, there's always the option, to, but fact is, Google is showing it before they actually go to a user actually goes to the website where they got that information. Uh, I wonder I if this.
2: A... Barry's b- b- screenshots in this article are all um, mobile device screenshots. I wonder if this is doing the same thing in desktop.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I was noticing that when I, what I mentioned, I wonder how the rest of the page reacts. I'm like, Oh wait a second, this is mobile, but yeah, y- yeah I would, I'd be interested to see that too, but it, it makes sense, more sense in a mobile experience, doesn't it? Because you, the, the less places you have to click to get the information you want, the better, the experience is from a Google versus user perspective, not so much right. the owner of the content
2: <laughs> for sure. All right. What is next? So Google, um, particularly Gary, Ish, um, answered a question on Twitter. Um, someone was asking about the switch from HTTP to HTTPS. Um, if you listen to the show, you know that you know, switching from a non-secure to a secure version of your website, uh, there's a lot of things to think about when you do it. Um, but one of the things that, that was asked is um, once you've made the switch, um, how, how do you hurry up and get Google to change the results for the HTTP to the HTTPS version in their SERPs, right? Um, and Gary said, basically, very simple answer, um, implement 301s and wait. There's, it's basically just the idea that there's no real reason or methodology to, to switch to SERPs. Just take, it basically is just gonna take some time. You have to be patient, Google will get to it eventually. That said, if there's things you can do that will help them, like make sure that your um, XML site is updated to the secure versions of your pages, um, things like that in particular um, can help them re-index the those secure pages a little faster. Hmm.
0: Uh, cool. All right. Well, let's take a quick break when we get back. Let's talk about a new location, to, uh, well, the fact that there isn't a new location directive uh, Anyway, you'll you'll get the point in a second. We'll
1: be right back. SEO 101 will be back right after recess.
3: Content Marketing World 2018 comes to Cleveland, Ohio, September 4th through the 7th. Learn more at contentmarketingworld.com. Content Marketing World 2018 is the one event where you will learn and network with the best and brightest in the content marketing industry. Content Marketing World will have over 120 sessions and workshops presented by the leading brand marketers and experts from around the world, covering strategy, storytelling, ROI, demand generation, AI, and more. Leave Cleveland with all the materials you need to build a content marketing plan that will grow your business and inspire your audience. Save $100 off of registration using promo code RADIO100. That's radio and the number 100. Don't miss Content Marketing World 2018 in Cleveland, Ohio. September 4th through the 7th. Register now at contentmarketingworld.com. email brasco at wmr.fm and get your message delivered now
1: okay class take your seats and no talking recess is over and seo 101 is back in session only on webmasterradio.fm Welcome back
0: to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Okay, so Google, we do not have a page partially moved to a new location directive. Wow, that's a mouthful, isn't it?
2: It is. That uh, was a pretty wordy way to to, to say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you you put her in there,
2: so go for it. So basically what they're saying is there's plenty of times where you might take a single page and say, well, this portion of this page has enough content or for whatever reason, it needs to be its own page. So you're not copying the whole page to a news page. Maybe you're copying half of it to a new page. And you don't want to 301 redirect the old page because you still want that information in there. But there's no way to really tell Google that, hey, half the content on this page is moved over to this other page. And that's what they're saying. They don't have any kind of directive like a canonical tag or um, you know, a 307 and a half redirect kind of thing or whatever it is there's no way for them for you to tell them that hey half of this page used to be on this other page you basically just have to create the new page link to it i think if you link from the old page to the new page and and maybe make you reciprocal reciprocal links that's going to help them find it and understand that those two pages are somewhat connected um but there's no there's no as they call it um new location directive um, that they can follow or you can implement. was pretty interesting because I'm sure people deal with that all the time and they may not understand how to deal with it. Um, it's basically just create the new page, wait for Google to find it, index it just like any other new page.
0: Cool. All right. Um, next up here, I want to just rant a little bit and I have to do this every once in a while, I've got to maintain my credit. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, this is the issue. And it's, I wanted to bring it up because it got some really good responses on Facebook. But I shared it oh, with my... Sorry?
2: I saw this. This was, was a very interesting thread on your Facebook.
0: Yeah, Thanks. It was... Um, okay. So, essentially, I, I, I told a new client that um, part of what we're going to do during the optimization process was look at images because they do seem to be not... You know, they don't seem to be optimized. Well, she was quite upset about this. She says, Well, I just had the site designed and they and I paid extra to have it properly optimized. The images, Uh, okay. So I thought, Well, I'll you know, I'll put something together for you and I'll send it along so you can pass it along to your developer. Well, I did and I made it very clear that there were images in there that were scaled, not part I understand now, and I'll get to why, but that weren't only just. Scaled. So, in other words, when I say scale, I mean a bigger image is being shrunk to fit into a smaller area. Pretty low quality design. Normally, Uh, that was my impression, but that was my lack of schooling there. So, I learned a little bit. But again, uh, that is because you know I might as well just drop it now. Is because it's for retina displays. It's for um, uh, Apple iPhone has a Apple period has. Uh, branded a term called retina, which is just a high-resolution screen. And as a result, if people want to have a retina-based site or one that can be compatible with the ultimate in quality, they need to have images that are larger um, dimensionally. Uh, So um,
2: It makes sense at this point to tell them what kind of site because that actually does make a difference.
0: Yeah. In this case, it is a wedding site. It's not a wedding photographer, but it's a wedding site. So it's people who are you know, generally looking for an aesthetic when they look at the site. So it makes sense that it's going to, you know, you'd want to have pictures that are just beautiful and, and look great. It's an event uh, event site. Essentially, these people manage weddings. So um, that's fair. However, I was able to take one of those images that were supposedly optimized and run them through uh, one of my favorite tools. In this case, I used Kraken.io. That's K-R-K-E-N n.io there are other tools but I find that one just simple because there's an online free version I stuck the image in it had it compressed uh optimized however you want to put it um, and bang it was dropped it dropped 72 percent in file size so it went for 350 notice something like 30 355 kilobytes down to 90 something kilobytes you know It's one thing to say that you have a website that requires a a higher end image. It's another thing to say a website is ready for prime time when images aren't at least properly compressed for the best experience and best download experience.
2: Um, 72% was that's a huge drop. So Um, so did you actually compare them side by side on a retina screen to see if you could tell the difference? Not,
0: no, not yet. Um, and that's something that uh, I've actually had, it, I'm gonna have a discussion with her probably later today. I'm gonna suggest she try. Because um, what I want to do is run my tool across all of her images, but of course, uh, after a backup is done and make sure that that is still gonna provide the kind of results she wants. Either way, her home page is 4.6 megabytes. That is not cool. That's not something that's gonna work effectively for mobile. Um, if she really, really wanted Retina display, that's fine. What she should have done, the designer should have done, is used a um, a, a plugin that delivers or or the proper directives to deliver that experience only for Retina displays. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been way more effective. Um, anyway, Alan Blyweis, uh, I, I knew he'd have a good response, so I asked him about this. I said, how do you respond to this? Because I know he does audits, he's the audit king, doesn't want a, lo- uh, a regular basis.
2: So, yeah, but uh, Alan is very, um, how should you say, how can you say it? He speaks from the gut, so he'll tell you in smart. your face. He's very blunt. So hopefully you take that into consideration.
0: Yes, <laughs> but he did a good job of the, explaining this. Just, ah, he laughs, dude, retina display. I get that once in a while. And here's my approach. The only sites that have any valid reason to justify building for retina display are artistic, photographic, scientific, or otherwise similar sites where high resolutions are, images are critical to the value perception of the site. And even then, only when those images are not the main Im- images embedded directly in pages. Then I show them data. Data on how many people come to the site where they even have a possibility of having a retina display. And I wrap it up by saying something like, so unless your team can improve or can prove through actual data that the revenue generated from those visitors outweighs the potential lost revenue you're experiencing from toxic page speeds, or where you can show me proper A/B split testing with and without retina quality images, where those are necessary for your revenue. There's no excuse to continue to disregard the critical and even ever more important need to making your for making your site as fast as it is reasonably possible. "End quote." Well
2: yeah. done. That one's amazing.
0: Yeah, very good response. And he shows that <laughs> the rest of his displays were a very small portion of this. And yes, we need to get Alan on. I think it'd be fun. It's
2: beautiful a great great conversation
0: yeah um so anyway i I really appreciated that he jumped in there and i said too that you know with all that said even if they wanted to have retina there it should still have a certain compression ratio on it Mm -hmm. Uh, and he totally agreed because i can't see the difference and yes i admit i want to see it on a retina screen to see whether or not it really is but i can't see a difference with these high-end um compression algorithms they're designed not to make any impact graphically. They just take away uh, other information that can make the, the file lighter. Yeah, so I would love to see that though. I'd love to see an example. Uh, at any rate, it was neat to get some back up there. Um, in this case, the designer is none too happy with me because um, <laughs> my client is kind of shaking the boat and accidentally sent it along or I should have notified her, sent her along one of my emails where I was less than diplomatic. <laughs>
2: so I'm a bit... anything, go, anything goes, anything I write in an email, and I would recommend this to everybody, always assume your client is going to see it at some point or your client's vendors are going to see it at some point. Never, yep. you always have to make that assumption. Always. I broke that rule. I know,
0: I know it too. That right. was stupid. I mean, it wasn't wrong. I didn't say anything completely off the chart, rude or anything, but it was definitely not diplomatic.
2: (laughs) Um, You didn't call the designer any kind of fun names, did you?
0: (laughs) No, but I did. I perhaps noted that it wasn't as professional. Um, Uh. (laughs) Yes. Yes. At any rate, uh, you guys out there, if you have a website that is loading heavily and you've been told that it has to because it needs retina, no, that is not true, no matter what they say. Um, that is, you know, if it is. If you do need that, again, I'll recap. You need
1: to... If you've got a passion for pumpkin, you've got to get to Dunkin' and pick these up. Our new Pumpkin Cream Cold Brew. Smooth, bold cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam. And our delicious pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. And our perfectly pumpkin donuts, munchkins treats, pumpkin muffins, and more. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Pick your pumpkin at Dunkin' like our new pumpkin cream cold brew, pumpkin spice signature latte, and our perfectly pumpkin treats. America runs on Dunkin'. Price participation may vary limited time offer exclusions apply
3: hear that is that america cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection it's time to cheer for egg mcmuffin and fresh cracked eggs at mcdonald's it's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest to goodness morning meal breakfast it's on at mcdonald's now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.
0: You set it up with the proper um, display port. Uh, in this case is what it's called, uh, where it would show only for retina displays, those high quality images. I mean, that just makes way more sense. Then everyone else gets a fast experience. If The retina displays want that high quality. There you go. They got the option. Yep. Okay. This is a small piece of news, but we talked about the new Google Search Console last week, I believe, uh, or last show at least. And they noted today that uh, through Search Engine Land that there is uh, some of the older features or features from the older Search Console have finally been moved over. There's the mobile, mobile usability report. You can manage users and uh, add site features as well. Um, uh, so... There's
2: a few things that
0: weren't on the new one that are now moved over.
2: Have you have you played with the new one much? I yeah. still switch back and forth between the two. Um, the the thing I like on the new um, I don't want to call it search console. I have to call it search console. <laughs> well, on, on the new tool, <laughs> <laughs> they have a, um, a a basically. I can't remember the exact name of it right now but basically it's examine this page so you can put on an individual url you can put it in there and it tells you all kinds of great information about that particular page it'll tell you whether it's indexed it or not it'll tell you what the canonical is even if you don't have a canonical assigned to it and they've assigned it a different canonical they'll tell you that on that page which I think is amazing and, and it doesn't always show up if especially if it's if you do have a canonical they'll the, most of the time they'll pick yours, but I've actually seen ones where I did not have a canonical on the page, and it said, "Well, we've decided this is the canonical," and that page was wrong, and it was four hundred four. It was really weird. But the, the individual analysis of a page part of the new console is really nice. I like it. Very cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've I've certainly used it when it first came out. I don't use. I'm not usually in there every day, but when I have, I, I didn't really like it then. I have to admit. But maybe with some of these features being added, it'll seem a little more uh, accessible. Uh,
2: If you you need the extended data, you have to use the new one too. Hmm. Yeah, very cool. All
0: right, what what do you have here next?
2: Well, this was just a little interesting thing. It's not really. It's kind of a duh, but someone was asking if Google would ever recommend SEOs, and. Their, their answer was basically, no, it's a, it's a conflict of interest. We can't tell you who we like. I think it was Gary-ish that, that had this one as well. But someone asked him, do you have any recommended SEOs to recommend? And he's like, no, we can't do that. It's a conflict of interest. And it made me think about that, the relationship between us and Google. And it's like, it, how would it be? Is it really a conflict of interest if we tell somebody that, hey, these guys know what they're doing? Um you might want to listen to them as opposed to, you know, I don't know. Just I'm not sure it really is a conflict of interest. And I wanted to ask your opinion about that. <laughs> it depends
0: if they've already they're already selling it through one of their their subsidiaries, which they are. Don't they own that SEO company?
2: They they used to own one. Oh yeah, they, they, they moved apart own, though, didn't they? Yeah, they used to own an agency that did SEO as well, but they I think they either sold them or split pieces off of them or something like that. I don't believe they do.
0: <laughs> okay. So as a conflict of interest, they essentially meaning, I uh, just, you know, the more obvious one, which is that, well, why would we tell you who, who can game us? <laughs> that's one that's <laughs> way to look at it, right?
2: <laughs> they wouldn't have to, those people, they could tell people that are really, you know, clean white hats, that, that, are, that are not going to take advantage of people. I mean, mm-hmm. they do it in, do it would, in the paid side. They tell you who the best and not, you, you know who they are, you know, partners with on the paid side. Why couldn't they do it on the organic side?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's a good question. I guess too that they they'd have to then getting into get into the vetting process. Um, it would be think,
2: pretty tough I think for them. Hit the nail on the head there because they to. to to get on the paid side, to be one of those partners, you have to have so many people that are certified um, analytics and certified in PPC or, or, or um, Google Ads now. Um, so you have to have all these certifications. There's even YouTube certifications that you need to get. There's no way to get any kind of certifications from Google and SEO, and they will never do that because of, because of the, the secrecy behind the algorithms. So that you might have hit the nail on the head there why they won't do it.
0: You know, they could have uh, I thought in the past that they, sh- they could or perhaps should. It's definitely its own argument, but uh, some kind of a seal saying that this person um, has gone through our um, training course on SEO best practices. And then if the person sticks to those, that's something they could put on there on their site. And then if uh, they ever break those, then they, they lose it or it's kind of like a BBB rating that they can have some of their back history on it. Uh, The whole thing scares me though, because frankly how well they're going to police it. It's a mess. I think the way things are is the best.
2: (laughs) I don't disagree. I just thought that it was weird that they they called it a conflict of interest when real good SEOs are trying to do everything they can to help good content and good sites get better positioning in Google. That doesn't seem like a conflict. That seems like a partnership.
0: Hmm. Yeah but then you know they'd run into uh, are they sending it to their pals uh to people they see the most versus people Mm -hmm. who know the best yeah Uh,
2: that's that's true too
0: it's a big industry
2: yes it is
0: all right i love this one avoid changing your url unless you really have to it's down to the old duh again here but uh this is important this is actually critical um and I would say I run into this a few times a year, at least where clients, uh, new clients have come to us going, why aren't I getting rankings? And we just had our website redone and it launched a couple months ago and I just don't get it. Well, they've changed their URLs. They changed the foundational format of their uh, their URLs on their website, their address. And that has broken links from other pages. Uh, perhaps they didn't do the proper redirects, but even then, uh, all of this makes it more difficult for Google to index the old site again. Um, I think if you've done proper redirects, you're pretty good. It's still going to be a bit of a, a, a slog. Uh, but what Google's saying here is that, you know, avoid it. Avoid changing URLs unless you really have to. It's as simple as the title.
2: Yeah, and that that includes just getting rid of pages altogether. I'm, there's I've seen instances where I'm working with a client right now where they want to get rid of, that um, they currently have about 50,000 pages on their website. They want to drop it down to the top 250 pages. And we're fighting bringing the data in to fight our battle. But if let's say that they say, well, there's, there's nothing we can do about it. We have to do this. Well, you can't just delete those. What is that? Forty-nine thousand and seven hundred fifty 750 pages. You've got to do something with them. You can't just let them go. And, so changing URLs, it's avoiding changing URLs, but you also want to avoid just plain old deleting URLs. You've got to do something. Um, many cases, sending it to a 404 or a 410 can work, but you know, if you've got you got, got to review the backlink profile of those pages, if they're driving any kind of backlink authority, then you got to figure out where you're going to redirect that authority to on those, those pages. So there's a lot of work to be done um, if you're changing URLs or deleting URLs. You know, it's just avoid it, if at all possible.
0: Yeah. Well, and and uh, again, a lot of people just think, hey, I'm going to get a new website. I'm so excited. I'm going to make these changes. And, wow, wow. It's going to be great. Look how beautiful it is. But they've forgotten all the stuff that is involved invo- with SEO because someone told them how SEO is easy or that really it didn't really matter. Or they it's said dead. they don't have a clue. Or, yeah, it's dead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, hello. <laughs> You're, yeah, we're here for a reason yeah. and it doesn't have to cost much I mean yes redirects can be time consuming it depends how big your site is there's certain things certainly that can change price but really when it comes down to it it's just time I mean just doing a 301 redirect set for a I don't know few hundred page site is not difficult and could maybe take two three hours of an SEO's time but man the, the, the savings a pain <laughs> yeah, yeah. enormous
2: uh,
0: your this, is, this
2: is definitely a it's worth what you pay for industry
0: yeah exactly
2: all right well let's uh, take a quick break and we come
0: back we've got uh, one more Mueller file we didn't really announce it earlier because we already had some Mueller's but anyway one more there and then uh, yeah, talk about authority in SEO we'll
2: be right back
1: SEO 101 will be back right after recess
2: TopSEOs.com, the independent authority
3: on search vendors. You are now tuned in to the world's largest online radio podcast network for internet marketers looking to dominate the B2B marketplace. WebmasterRadio.fm WebmasterRadio.fm is home to some of the most respected authorities in all aspects of internet marketing. Maria Retan,
2: Larry Weber, Tim Ash, James and Arlene Martell, Ross Dunn, John Carcott, Shahab Zagari,
1: Peggy M. Salt, Kelly, Jillian Music and Kennedy.
3: From SEO to affiliate marketing to social media, e-commerce, mobile marketing, and so much more. Our hosts travel to all stretches of the world and speak to the impact players that are affecting our industry.
1: Please join me in welcoming Andrew Hayford.
3: Pleased to have Jim Lenzone. Please welcome Ariana Huffington. Please welcome Jason Calcanis. On air, on demand, and available on every mobile device that you can imagine.
1: Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm.
0: Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Step4th Web Marketing, Inc. All right. Taking old content and relabeling it (laughs) as new is a bad SEO hack. I love this. It was totally done tongue in cheek. I'm sure of it.
2: But so uh, so I saw this article, but I didn't read it. Are they talking about just adding a new publishing date to it or something?
0: Oh, I have clicked on the wrong one here. Um, Yes. So it's not sure you're just updating. So it said uh, the published date was uh, December 2018 well when it comes to December 2019 change it so it looks like it's fresh
2: <laughs> see and that, that always bothers me and we've had this conversation for that there's a misconception I think about when people say you need fresh content on your site right and there's, there's two ways to get fresh content there's add new content to your site it's fresh and there's taking old content and rewriting it and updating it and freshening it up I personally just lean towards let's keep adding new content to the site. That's going to give you fresh content. It's going to give you updated content. I know you have different opinion on this, Ross, is what to do with old content, but I just say let it sit and add new stuff. Oh,
0: yeah, it's there's a lot of ways around it. I guess is what what we've discussed before. Um, a lot of ways to do work with it, and and, and part of it's financially motivated and time motivated. Uh, there's a lot of work that can be there. But I love this. I think it was, it was a Neil um who sort of put this tongue in cheek, I think, uh, citing that, uh, you know, on December 31st, we'll have to change all of our pages to 2019. So they look like they're
2: fresh. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're simple JavaScript that'll do that for you. I used to use it on sites all the time for the copyright. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I use that on there all the time too. But in yeah. this
0: case, yeah, they're talking about the actual published date of articles. Um, <laughs> John, you, John Mueller, uh, Jumped on it, I guess, probably took it seriously just in case. Um, he says, uh, "Recognizing uh, as a user, recognizing that old content is just being labeled as new completely kills any authority that I thought the author or site had. Good content is not lazy content. SEO hacks don't make a site great. Give your content and users the respect they deserve, unquote. So <laughs> not wrong, but uh, yeah, I... I I think it was pretty funny what John what Aniel said there, and it was taken out of context. I think, but
2: and there's there's some danger to doing that too. You gotta, if you do just like decide to do it across the board, if for example, if you have an article about the, you know, who won the Oscars in 1985, you know, <laughs> changing the date, that's not going to make much sense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is true. Or or if if one of our articles uh, were changed to 2019 from when we were talking about Infoseek that could be confusing.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. So uh, one of the things we saw in, in one of the forums that uh, John and I sort of participate in, it's a private forum, but someone's asked, what was our take on the much abused term authority in SEO? And I thought it was interesting. So I wanted to add it here, just as sort of the, uh, the ending of our show, what we feel authority means. And, and I think, the way I would sort of preface everything we're going to say here is I believe that authority is a perception, right? It's how do you perceive a, a business to be and and what is it that you look for when it comes to authority, when it comes to SEO um, it's signals of, of authority. And <laughs> Then, it, I don't know, in the article they were talking, or in the, sorry, in this discussion, it was more about domain age or domain authority, all that kind of stuff, and whether or not DA should be taken seriously. And I know that's something you've talked about too, John.
2: Yeah, no, DA, DA is a joke um, in my mind. And, and, and they just proved it themselves recently because DA, was, DA is, is a metric created by Moz um, tied to Open Site Explorer originally that was domain authority. That's what DA stands for, Domain Authority. And they took all kinds of um, backend algorithms and decided here's from Open Site Explorer, we can get all this information. We, we're we gonna create this brand new metric called Domain Authority. It was created, invented by Moz, right? And with any invented metric, it's only as good as the platform that's generating the data to make it, um, which is completely disconnected from Google, right? So recently, they closed down OpenSight Explorer, which was the basis of domain authority, and they launched a new product called um, Link Explorer. And there's a a whiteboard Friday where Rand goes through all the differences. But even in that whiteboard Friday video, Rand is like, yeah, all the stuff that we had that that created domain authority before sucked. And that was his words. He said it sucked. But we've made it better, and now we've created this new tool, and now now domain authority is much better. And (laughs) when, when we launched the new tool, every single site's domain authority changed. That tells you that the metric doesn't really mean anything because if you can if you if it changes completely because you've closed down one tool and launched a new tool, means it's not really connected to the real world. It's just connected to these tools that Moz built.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I've
2: never been a big fan of domain authority.
0: It's kind of like uh, if you look at SCM rush, um, one of my favorite tools, and, and it gives you a perspective of how much traffic, they estimate how much traffic a site gets. None of them are going to be accurate, but it adds up to some concept of how one site compares to another. I think that's where domain, the DA um, statistic within uh, Moz was kind of helpful. It gave you some perspective of how one site compared to another, but you never put all your eggs in that basket. I think it was just one of those concepts that was helpful.
2: Any any of those kind of tools, that's the basis of how to use them, right? Yeah. So you go to you go to Majestic, you go to Ahrefs. The only, they, they try to gather as much information as they can, but since you can't compare it to Google's algorithm, the only thing you can do is compare it to the other, compare site to site to see where, based on this particular tool, where you stack up against other sites. You can't really use it as a comparison to Google or say this is what, I can't use domain authority to say that this site is going to give me a better link because its domain authority is better than this other site's domain authority, right? That to me, a lot of people do that, but it's not a good way to, to look at the quality of a, a site when you're, when you're trying to get links. It's just people use it as a shortcut and people sell against it and it just drives me nuts.
0: I don't think there's anything wrong with considering it as a factor but uh, uh, because it is based on um, whether or not it's every one of the aspects of DA was right. Um, it's not that. It's that there is some perspective there of whether one site is better than the other. There's no harm in taking that into consideration. But don't put all your, you don't bet all your money on it.
2: Yeah, But when, when people are trying to. Just, 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 and I, it happens still every day. People are trying to sell links or oh, yeah. sell, um, you know, the ability to, to post on a PBN or something like that. And they talk about domain authority, that's all they mention. And, and to your point, yeah, you can use domain because you're comparing sites against each other, you can use DA to do that as one piece of data when you're looking at whether it's a good link target. But if that's the whole point of why you're participating in this particular, whatever it is you're participating in, that you shouldn't be, uh, that's ridiculous. That <laughs> you shouldn't be. Yes, yes. Google's listening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think it was an interesting question um, where we could really go all crazy on this, but I think that's that's good for now.
2: The term itself, authority, I do agree with. Not necessarily domain authority, but authority. Years ago, we've talked about this many times on the show. I stopped talking about link building altogether and started talking about authority building for a website. Like you said, it's the off the site signals, it's not just links anymore. I mean, you've got citations that are tied to local, um, whether they claim it or not, you know, building your authority in social media, you know, s- seems to make a difference. So there's lots of ways to build authority around a site now from off site signals. Um, And and I agree with that usage of it and and looking at a site and saying, okay, this site is an authority in its space from an algorithmic perspective because it's got a a lot of good signals coming into the site that say, yes, people are looking at this as authoritative. That makes sense to me when we're talking about the use of the term
3: authority.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's one of our better services, I think, uh, uh, in terms of an add-on. Um, is a th- our authority building plans. we We put them together and and we're proud of them. they 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 really do show our clients what kind of content they should spend the time writing based on proven metrics. You know, these ones achieved x amount of shares um, and uh, and 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 shares and links. And this is this does, it's proven, build authority for your website. Um, and again, authority for a website is different than authority for a business or authority for a person uh, there's, there's just so many different ways of looking at it
2: yep, for sure yeah
0: all right well i think uh, that came together well i hope everyone enjoyed the show on behalf of myself Ross Dunn, ceo of stepforth web marketing and john carcutt the vice president of strategy for reflexive media Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Google Plus community page, easily found by searching SCO 101 Podcast on Google. Have a great week, and remember to tune into future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.m. Thanks for
2: listening, everybody.
3: The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.
1: You should be saving for the future, but savings accounts suck and investing can be scary. We combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing. We call it Savevesting, and it's only available in our new app, Stairs. Stairs offers four to 6% returns, no fees, and you can withdraw anytime. Do your future a favor. Visit StairsApp.com today.